So is Chinese food like Chinese food or? I mean, if you've been to like Chinatown in any big city, uh, you can get pretty much what you'd see in China. But we were eating some soup. I said, do we have any sriracha to put in the soup? Like some hot sauce. And I showed them a picture of it and they had no freaking idea what sriracha was. And I was like, it's so <laughs> weird. It's in like every Asian restaurant in the U.S. Yep. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. This episode is sponsored by the App Quality Bundle, the ultimate tool set for providing better software. It includes six leading tools for one incredibly low price. It's a full-stack set of tools that covers continuous integration, testing, and monitoring for your mobile apps, web apps, and APIs. It's great for new projects and companies. And the offer is $999 for one year of service for all six services. It is available for new paying subscribers only. Go check out the website at buildbetter.software for complete terms and conditions. The offer ends April 15th, so don't wait. This episode is sponsored by DevMountain. Dev Mountain is a coding school with the best world-class learning experience you can find. Dev Mountain is a 12-week full-time development course. With only 25 spots available, each cohort fills quickly. As a student, you will be assigned an individual mentor to help answer questions when you get stuck and make sure you are getting the most out of the class. Tuition includes 24-hour access to campus and free housing for our out-of-state applicants. In only 12 weeks, you'll have your own app in the App Store. Learn to code. It's time. Go to devmountain.com slash ifreaks. Listeners of iFreaks will get a special $250 off when they use the coupon code iFreaks at checkout. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 100 of the iFreaks show. This week on our panel, we have Alondo Brewington. Hello from North Carolina. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. James Zuber. Got my party hat, streamers, confetti. Turns out I didn't think this through. This is going to take forever to clean up. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood <laughs> from DefChat.tv. We also have... Uh, two returning iFreaks panelists. We have Ben Sherman. Hello from Houston. And Rod Schmidt. Hello from Salt Lake. So we haven't talked to you guys in a while. What what have you been up to since you've uh, retired from the show? I left my company to go independent, which has been kind of exciting and scaring. That's pretty recent news for me. Welcome to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got more contracts than I can accept right now, which is like a nice way to start this, I guess. Mm -hmm. But obviously there's the other end of that, which is when you don't have any work to do. Done some traveling, went to Amsterdam early March, and I just got back from China, which has been awesome. And still working on NS screencast stuff. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. Very cool. Rod, what have you been up to? Well, let's see. I got a haircut last week. Does that count? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) i Mostly been uh, working on uh, client doing client work for one client that has me on retainer every month, and I do that for a couple hours a day, and then I work on my own stuff the rest of the day. Went to the U.S. Open last year in September. That was a lot of fun. I love New York. Yeah, just pretty much straightforward, normal stuff. Nice. 
got to second that uh, U.S. Open. I love going up to the Arthur Ashe Center. It's, it's awesome for tennis. Yes, yeah, it's my favorite turn. I'm a big tennis fan, and I play tennis, so it's, that was a big thrill. So the next time we all get together, which we've never actually done, you guys can uh, go play tennis. Yeah, I'm a little rusty. Uh, Rod probably will whoop me pretty easily. I'm uh, probably a C player at this point. Uh-huh. Are you in New York, Alondo? No, actually, I live in North Carolina now. Um, I've been here for the last two years after living in Atlanta. And Atlanta has a really big tennis community. Uh-huh. I'm officially a 4-0. Most people would probably call me a 4-5 if you know what that means. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good or bad? Most people are three fives and four O's, the vast majority of players. So you're worse or better than the vast majority of players? <laughs> I am s- slightly better than the vast majority. Okay. Why don't they have these kind of scores for programmers? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to measure it, I guess. Probably. How would you measure it? I don't know, I don't but know. I'm a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an 11. <laughs> geek come fight, take, geek fight. Come take my certification, and you too can be a twelve. <laughs> That's right. There we go. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, Rod and Ben, you guys and Andrew, did, were you on, part of the original panel, or did you come in later? I don't remember. No, I kind of think I started on about episode twelve, something like that. So I was not here at the very beginning. Okay. And we also had Pete. It feels like I'm forgetting somebody, but I don't think I am. So, uh, yeah, this show kind of got started because I wanted to learn how to do iOS development. This is where I came from to do this. And so I reached out to my community, which was mostly Ruby and JavaScript programmers, and I asked who they thought I should get as panelists on the show, and that's how we wound up with the panel that we started with. And then as as you guys have kind of come and gone, then we you know brought in other people. Andrew, I, I know how we found you because you know I had already met you at the Cocoa Heads meetings and stuff. James, I don't exactly remember how you came into the show. Do you remember? I just hacked into Skype one day and just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I had listened to other podcasts you had done, the Ruby Rogues, and you mentioned you were starting an iPhone one. I'm like, oh, I do iPhone. I could maybe do a podcast. And I think Pete put out a call on Twitter for extra panelists. So I thought, hey, I'll sit in, see how it goes. And no one told me to go away, so I kept coming back. <laughs> nice. I'm I'm looking at the the list of our episodes, and it, my first episode was episode 14 about debugging. And best I can tell, James, you started the next episode, episode number 15, which was about cocoa pods. But I don't think I realized that you were new. I thought you had been on for a long time. Of course, a long time at that point was like three months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then James met Alondo at a conference. I don't remember the details. Maybe you guys can tell that story if there's a story. Yeah. We met at uh, AltConf last year. I don't know if, if James had a ticket for Dub Dub. I know I didn't. We met at one of the sessions and just started talking. And um, when, I guess at lunch one day, mentioned the podcast. And I mentioned I had briefly done a podcast with my friend Warren Moore. Uh, we did like 10 episodes. And um, so it was sh- very short-lived. But he invited me to come on. And uh, sort of similar to him. No one's kicked me off yet. So <laughs> I've been very happy to be here. Very nice. Speaking of Dub Dub. Does anyone know when they're going to open up the lottery for tickets this year? Should be any day now, I think. Could be within the next five or ten minutes. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it happens and I just hang up the phone, you'll understand. <laughs> just, just, we just pause. This is, you know, this is recorded. This is not live. Well, even though today is Apple's 39th birthday, as we record, I don't think April Fool's Day is a good day to put tickets on sale. 
because nobody not. knows if it's serious or not. So, By the way, uh, the Amazon dash button. I did, and that's seems apparently like a, not a joke. It seems like a real product. And honestly, I wouldn't blame anybody for buying this product. It's just yeah. kind of an odd time to launch a product that is like in the gray area of yeah. what could be considered like ridiculous. Yeah, I, I requested one. They're supposed to be free. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because you're just going to buy more products. Right. Like, I was wondering if, like, did they, like, cut out, uh, like, a plastic insert of, like, the logo? Or is that, like, a cheap screen that has, like, a terrible refresh rate but can show the same image indefinitely? I got and the feeling that it was a sticker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and they mentioned something about when, you know, when it's still weeks out, you put your email address in, they still say they'll email you when they're available and you pick which, like, so when you order the button, you, t- you pick which product it's for. I think what we're experiencing is a genius Amazon product marketer who says, I have no idea if this product has a market. So we're just going to throw it out there the day before April Fool's Day. If the internet laughs at us, we'll say, ha ha, <laughs> joke. And if we get 12 million orders, then we have a hit on our hands. Yep. Perfect. I like the idea as well. You know, you run out of toilet paper and you push the button and then you call for help. And you wait two days and, and then your toilet yes. paper shows up. <laughs> Too uncomfortable. Delivered by a drone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to WWDC, I think should be any time. It seems like it was right around beginning-ish of April last year, wasn't it? And every year recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I sincerely hope I get a ticket this year. If not, I will still be there, most likely. But I felt behind on the videos, because I went last year and did the alt-alts dub-dub, where we rented a hotel conference room, and about 20 or 25 people pitched in to you know, have a projector and a screen and internet and all that, uh, so we could stream the videos. And we got through you know, three to four per day, I think that's about right. But it was like a community decision. So if like I wanted to watch like an AV Foundation thing, it applies to less people. So we kind of went with the middle of the road. And obviously there was all the Swift stuff. So that was like took precedence just as a, a general subject to cover. But when you're there, you know, hopefully like with some people, you know, you can be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to this one. You go to that one and we'll exchange notes or something. So we know which ones are worth taking the time to watch later. Yep. That, yeah, my girl, I hope that I get a ticket this time. I um, I'd like to go at least once, just to say, you know, I've done dub dub and on my own golden ticket. You definitely should, Alondo. At least try. I mean, certainly no guarantees. My thinking is, if I were guaranteed a ticket this year, I would not go. But because it's a lottery, and because I have this feeling that you know it's kind of a once every decade thing now, or something like that, I'm just always going to put in for a ticket, and if I get one, I go. So we'll see. So is that how you rationalize that to your wife? <laughs> uh, it's just like a lottery. If I go, yeah. if I get one, I have to go. Oh yeah, that's that's what I already said. No, she's, <laughs> I should do that. she's completely fine with it. In fact, she might go. She's she went to San Francisco with me the first time I went and just hung out yeah. in the city. Yeah, my wife's birthday is right around that time, and so it's always kind of iffy. Like if it encompasses her birthday, it's kind of crappy. So last year, that weekend was her birthday, and so. I said, well, your birthday present, how about you come to San Francisco? And she had never been, so that was awesome. Veteran move. <laughs> so I, I want to kind of turn the topic back to the show. Are there things that we were talking about about two years ago when we started the show that are no longer relevant? Yeah, because Objective-C is dead, so we got to redo all these. In <laughs> <laughs> You're not a little just... bitter that we talked about that last week, are you? <laughs> no, no, I don't mind. I haven't heard it, so I don't know if the conclusion was, yes, it's dead, or no, it's alive. 
Yeah, we settled it. It's done. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Start rewriting everything. From my desk. Uh, my podcast listening has plummeted because I no longer have a commute. And so I'm like, my backlog for podcasts is huge. So I haven't actually reached that one yet. I'm, I think I'm like five, five or more episodes behind at this point. I think my last episode, at least the one last one in my notes, was episode 59. So that was probably a little over a year then. Yeah, um, about a year. Yeah, that makes sense because my first episode was 61. Yeah. So I think it was. So now we can prove to the world that we are not actually the same person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you both look a lot alike. So stunningly handsome, I assume. Absolutely. Your picture is not on Skype. So. <laughs> oh, there, there's a picture for yeah. me, but it's very blurry and small. yeah it's, it's really i think you're playing golf maybe alondo yes indeed are you good at golf or bad at golf uh much better at golf than probably anything else <laughs> oh man i was gonna go golfing with you but i don't want to be embarrassed no 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 i'm, I'm, I'm great company though I, I'm, oh okay <laughs> i'm not hyper competitive anymore so i think that would be a, a blast i golf i don't golf well but i golf speaking about show topics my own feeling and also kind of I'm, I'm reading back through all of our shows just because it's interesting, but I think we were talking about a lot more, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe fundamental stuff. Like we did a whole show about memory management and a show about Xcode and a show about core data and a show about debugging. And, and like they were kind of these core topics. And as time has gone on and we've covered those, we've moved into some of the more surrounding topics. We've talked about Xamarin and, you know, building hardware and things that are maybe not so core to the average iOS developer. And I think that's been good because it exposes even experienced developers to stuff that they don't necessarily have any contact with. Yeah, I think part of the reason for that is that I was working hard to line up a lot of those shows. And as I said before, I started the show because I wanted to learn how to do iOS development. And so those were all the things that I wanted to know about. Yeah, I definitely think like the growth of the ecosystem has really helped broaden the topics. I like the idea, though, of going back and revisiting at times, though, because it's sort of like a lot of listeners are just coming on board to iOS and they may not have access, you know, they may not know to listen to the backlog of topics and whatnot. So, and then things change too. So, you know, we have practices that change. It's like the way we use certain patterns may be, you know, different than they were a couple of years ago or, or change in the language or the introduction of a new language, for instance. All these things have impact. And so it's nice to have sort of like the breadth of topics that we can we can introduce and revisit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been almost two years. You know, 2013, iOS 6 was probably bleeding edge at that point. You know, we talked about auto layout when it was new. Most people weren't doing it. Now it's the default for a lot of things. So we can always learn new things as we adopt the new technologies. Yeah, and of course, Swift really, really actually has changed some of these topics. Like we could probably do a new topic about memory management and how it's different and mostly just way easier, but different in Swift. Mm-hmm. Was there a particular episode that was anyone's favorite episode? One that really stands out? Well, I've always said this, but I, I, as much as I love guests and the perspective they bring, I think there's a lot of expertise on the panel. And so I've, I've enjoyed the episodes where we've not had a guest and where we've picked some topic and just talked about it with each other. Yeah, I agree, actually. I think one of the, the ones that stood out in that regard was that, that I thought would, was particularly helpful and even heard was particularly helpful was the one on finding jobs. Uh, and that was just the panelists talking about sort of how to get started and how to make yourself marketable and, and, and known. And, and I got some positive on that one. And it definitely was something that I think is, is helpful. We can help listeners, you know, not just improve in, in terms of, you know, different techniques or different APIs, but just the practice 
of software you know development in general. I got some good feedback on that one too. It seemed like it was one that you know it's just relevant to a lot of people, but it's not something that is necessarily covered all that often. Yeah, it's one of the things that if you're an employee, you don't think about because, hey, you've got a job. I show up every day to this place and they pay me. And you don't worry about it. But some of us live a little bit more on the edge and deal with that on a weekly basis. Yeah, for me, it it's much more about the people that I've been able to meet. You know, so some of the people that we've talked to on the show that really kind of stick out to me are Jonathan Penn, Saul Mora. I actually went to lunch with Saul like right after we did the first episode we did with him on Core Data. Um, just cause I was in Denver. And so I, you know, I emailed him and I said, Hey, do you want to meet? And he was like, sure. So, you know, we grabbed lunch and chatted and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, that kind of thing, you know, where it's, it's community or just, you know, cool people out there, you know, those are some of the ones that really stick out to me as just fun. And then again, you know, making the connections at the, uh, Salt Lake Cocoa Heads and stuff and seeing Rod whenever I actually do make it out there and, and Andrew is fun. Yeah, definitely. One of the most rewarding things about doing the show is talking with smart people who are doing cool things in iOS and getting to ask them questions, pick their brain. You know, I'll do a intro if I speak at a conference saying, Hey, I'm also part of this podcast, iFreaks. You know, don't listen because I'm this brilliant person. Listen because I get to ask these people questions and learn from them. And I get a ton out of it. So other people do too. So it, you know, we get a lot, of, a lot out of it too. Yeah, speaking of brilliant people, uh, I think one of my favorite episodes was in episode 24 with Mike Ash. That was a, a fun conversation. I'd love to get Mike back on for another episode about something different. I think well, like we Swift? About, yeah, like yeah, he's, yeah. he's dug into some, some gnarly Swift things. Right. I think he would talk about 64-bit, which was a good topic, but there's so yeah, much the time, more that yeah. he's an expert on. Yeah, iOS has gotten so broad that... You know, you have people that real high-end design-type things, and you have people who still do the low-end things. So it's hard to know everything, but it's good to have people that come by that bring part of that perspective. Yep. One of the other connections that I made that worked out nicely for me was I wound up doing some work for Ben uh, Lockman after he, he was on the show. So they actually hired me to do some Rails work. So that was kind of interesting to have work come off of the iFreak show. That's very cool, yeah. I'll be speaking at a conference and people come to me and say, Hey, I'm, I'm a fan of the show. I'm like, Oh, cool. And I realized that there are a non-trivial number of people that think my name is James Uber. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Just by the sound of it, I've got the name yeah. that you instantly think you heard wrong, but it's cool to go out in public and hear people that are listening to the show and they like it. And I was surprised. I was at dubbed up last year. I'm like, Oh, you're on that show. Wait, say something. <laughs> I recognize the voice. Okay. Oh, okay. Quick, oh, I get it. Do a beer pick. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I've been teaching one day a week at a iOS boot camp here in Salt Lake and been having a lot of fun with it, getting to work with people who are brand new. And But last week, uh, one, one of the students sent me a message to say that he was listening to a podcast and there was a guy with my same name on it. And, and he said, you know, he kind of couldn't believe it was me. And he seemed just, I don't know what the word is, very surprised and shocked. Like he had already been listening to us for so long and didn't realize that one of his teachers is also one of the people on the, the podcast. But it's it's certainly fun to run into people in real life that listen to the podcast. And that's actually happened to me a couple of times now. He was starstruck. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's funny because I've gone to like code camps or I, I was at Mountain West JavaScript and then ng-conf and then Mountain West Ruby conferences and yeah I'll be talking to somebody and somebody else will walk by and then they'll do a double take because they hear my voice and uh, they listen to one of the shows it's really kind of funny and a little bit uncanny 
That's true. If you just listen to the show, you don't know you don't know what we look like unless you dig into it a little bit. But yeah, eventually, what people I'll think get... I look like just by my, by my voice. I have no idea. Eventually, I'll get host profiles working on DevChat, and then we can have you guys update them, put pictures up. But I'll have to go get new a new headshot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was actually telling my wife just the other day that I want her to take a new picture of me because the one that's on everything on my GitHub and Twitter and stuff is I don't know two or three years old. Mine too. I just had one done this last year, so I'm set. Yours looks professional, though, Chuck. It was professional. It does. I need something where I'm not wearing a Green Lantern t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Ben, I heard that you started a guitar podcast. I did, yeah. In my copious free time, I <laughs> decided to talk about guitar gear and tone and that sort of thing with uh, my friend Daniel Pasco. Have we had him on the show before? I don't know if we have. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so, but we should. I could put in a good word. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he he and I would talk through Twitter and iMessage about just like geeking out about gear or, hey, check out this like thing I put together and recorded. And uh, I started to think about like, okay, do any guitar podcasts like this exist? And I went and looked, and there's not really there. There were none that fit the description that I had, and uh, some of the ones I saw were pretty old and not updated anymore. And so I asked him if he would what he thought, and he was like, "This must is, exist, <laughs> and you should be the one to host it." And so uh, we had like a shared Google Doc where we we're just like jotting down ideas, and it's it's different in that it's you know you can usually like in our circles we can just like find the programmers that we know of on Twitter or speak at conferences or, or who are known, you know, you can just like email them and be like, Hey, and most people say yes, but it's not like I can say, Hey, slash, come on my podcast and talk about your tone. <laughs> it's a little bit harder. And also, you know, I feel very confident in speaking about like development topics and I feel terrified in talking about guitar because I don't consider myself an expert at all. More of an enthusiastic, like eternal beginner. Anyway, uh, so that's been fun. And I was hoping that I would just like, it would be like insanely popular and I'd be forced to like buy new guitar gear as a tax write off to sh- demo <laughs> on the show. But uh, that has not happened yet. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? Yeah. Or they would just throw it at me and say, please, Ben, we will give you our amp. Just mention it on the show. You know? Say something good about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, no I'm not attached. Yeah. I'm not against selling out. Uh, <laughs> but I've been I've been listening, so I've been playing. Oh, good! For, so for we have at least one. You have one listener. Um, I'm a fan. <laughs> and I, pick, I learn stuff like the recording aspect. I don't do that much. I studied audio in college, but I don't do that much with like computers. So yeah, I pick up stuff. So it's well, great. Yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, I'm, we're a little behind because we record our stuff in Logic and then we merge it after the fact. And so I was in China with like the worst internet connection, so I couldn't actually download the the logic the raw recordings to edit them but this week i should wrap that up and we'll resume our weekly schedule yeah so chuck you're a long time ago you posted a video about your recording gear and mm-hmm. how you do uh the mix minus setup with yep. uh so your voice versus skype guests and that sort of thing and so i have a similar setup that was helpful for me to decide what to buy i have the same mic you do if as long as you're still using the high lpr 40 yes sir and I bought an Onyx 820i Firewire mixer. Uh-huh. And so I've got my mic in channel one, and then I've got 
a USB sound card, which, uh, so I have an auxiliary send one turned up on my mic and that goes into the input of the sound card and into the Mac and then out again from the USB sound card and into a different channel on the mixer. So then I can control the levels independently and I have enough space so I can have another Mac with another loop, if you will. So then I can send all of my audio plus the audio from Skype guest one to auxiliary send two and vice versa. Uh, and the benefit of doing that is like when I go into logic and I hit record, I can record all eight channels independently. Uh, so if somebody coughs or a dog barks or something, if I get garbled audio for a little bit, I can just uh, mute that section of that one person and it works pretty well. And then I've got my guitar. This, this has actually been the interesting part is like getting my guitar plugged in so that my Skype guest can actually hear the processed effects. So if I'm using like software effects in a computer, I have to loop it back into the mixer, which has been interesting. Have you figured out how to jam through Skype yet? <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, the latency is so bad. That, I was yeah. going to say. Because um, like, we, we have to line up our audio, right? So I, I'm, even though I'm recording my co-host in a, a discrete channel, I'm eventually going to throw out that audio. It's just a reference or a backup for his local recording. And so we do like a one, two, three clap. And it's just hilarious when I'm like one, two, three clap, clap. It's like, so even though in the final recordings, we can line up the two claps and every, the conversation will flow pretty, pretty nicely. But, and that's been nice uh, to have good quality audio on both sides. It's really tough on a show like this when you have like five or six people, together you would need some serious equipment and multiple machines to pull this off yeah so what i do is i just have all of you on one channel and i'm on the other i think my dream is to get a series of machines that you know you would each call into so yeah you would be skype guest one two three four five six my mixer has 14 inputs on it so yeah i mean i could definitely do that I'm not sure how painful it would be to start the call, you know, because I'd have to remote desktop into each machine. But I think with Skype, you can have the auto answer thing. So you can just be like, here, call Skype guest three. Oh, or there something. you go. I think that's how you would do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's been interesting trying to get it all set up. And it's, it's funny, like, there's like 80 knobs on this thing. And so yeah. sometimes I'm like, can you hear me? And then they're like, no. I'm like, okay, this, 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 this. I need like a stupid checklist now just for. <laughs> just for getting this thing working. But yeah, it's it's been nice. And then I have like a hardware recorder that I can use as a backup in case logic fails, which it did one time, but luckily I was able to recover the audio through, I forget how, but uh, I went searching for the raw recording and it was there. Yeah, I record everything to hardware. It's been a lot of fun. I don't know how long we'll still have stuff to talk about. You know, it's like guitar stuff changes way slower than computer stuff. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these topics are kind of evergreen. And so like, if we've already covered it, like what else are we going to do other than start having guests, which I think is something we might plan on doing. I have to say that with the guitar stuff, it's pretty interesting how much of it shows up at like CES at the consumer electronic show mm-hmm. and how many of the big sponsors are, you know, huge, you know, audio equipment or like guitar companies, you know, I mean, Gibson has, been a big sponsor for the last couple of years and i mean there's a lot of money in it yeah there's, i mean people will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to try to sound like their favorite band don't ask me how i know this at all <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that may be something that that would be interesting to talk about briefly is just the process of getting the show together. So typically what happens is that I'll get, you know, somebody will email me or, you know, one of you guys will come in and say, hey, we should get so-and-so on the show. And usually at that point, all I have to do is hand it off to Mandy and she gets it scheduled. Mm -hmm. And then um, once it's scheduled, then she sends a reminder email out on Sunday. Uh, We record the show on Wednesday. She does that for all of my shows. She sends a reminder out on, on Sunday or Monday at the very latest saying, hey, you're scheduled to come on this week. Here's what time to be here. There's a guest checklist that walks them through connecting to me on Skype and uh, some of the other things that they need to set up in order to make everything happen. And then she asks them for any links or talks or articles or anything else that we should look at before the show. And then we all get those. And then, you know, some of us will go look at them and some of us won't. I sometimes do and sometimes don't. It just depends on what how busy I am and the fact that I have four other shows. Anyway, once that happens, then we get on the Skype call and record it. If you want to see my setup, you can go to teachingmetocode.com slash my-podcasting-setup, I think, or something like that. It's the top article because I haven't updated that site in a while. So anyway, there's a video that kind of walks you through all the equipment I use to record the show. And that's the one that Ben was talking about. But once we have it recorded, so I record it onto an Ederall R-08HR. They don't make those anymore. Now it's the Roland R-05 is the new version of it. Um, but anyway, I record it on there, and then I copy it over to Dropbox when we're done. And Mandy does all the editing and puts it up on the website, writes the show notes, all, and all of that stuff. So, Yeah, I use the uh, the Zoom H5, which I was looking around at all the different ones, and that one uh, seemed to have good reviews as well. Yeah, it's the Zoom H5 I've played with. I don't own one, so I haven't used it too extensively. The thing I like about the Zoom H5 is that it has XLR inputs, which are the three-prong microphone inputs, if you've seen the cords for those. And it has a lot more features on it as far as being able to mix stuff and add effects and things like that. Yeah, you've got a compressor built in and uh, noise gates and phantom power if you need it, which has been nice because I did like a super secret project, which included uh, lapel mics and a camera and uh, all that stuff. And so it was nice to be able to plug the lapel mics directly into the mixer, or sorry, the uh the handheld recorder. Mm-hmm. And then I mounted that with a hot shoe mount on the camera. So I actually had like a room camera, which is like the zooms, like mic capsule. It's got like an XY mic, uh, on top of it. Plus the lapel mics, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'd like to get a little bit more studio set up here, but right now I'm really set up for audio recording. I'm not super well set up for video. Yeah. I eventually bought some studio monitors to mount on the wall. So I got some KRK rockets, and then I have like sound dampening. It's like two inch thick fiberglass panels to help like reduce the echo in this room. Because uh, when I first moved in, I'm in a new house actually. I'm not in recording in my bedroom like I used to. In this room, there was uh, like French doors with like glass panels on them and uh, hardwood floors, and so I would like speak and like. <laughs> You can't really, you don't really notice it. Like when you just walk into a room and you just start talking, but like when you go back and listen to a recording later and you're like, Oh God, this sounds awful. And in the room before it was like carpet and there's clothes and a bed and everything else to like deaden the sound. Uh, so I bought a rug and I bought all these uh, fiberglass panels. I bought, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of them. And, uh, so they surround the entire room. Uh, they're pretty huge. And you can just tell without even talking, you can just like walk in the room. 
and it feels like the room has closed in on you by like a couple of feet. Like it feel like it sounds smaller. If that makes sense. Like people who don't really know anything about sound or audio, like walk in here and be like, wow, it sounds different. And I'm like, yes, I believe the technical term is less echoey. Yeah. 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 It's definitely true. I mean, and I, I'm just talking in front of a 27 inch iMac, which is this giant, you know, sheet of glass. And so like the audio like bounces immediately off of this and back towards me. And my mic is positioned basically directly in front of me and is like a directional mic. And so it's not going to pick up the majority of that sound because it's coming from the wrong angle. Like it's got to be like 20 or 30 dB lower than the audio coming straight in to the end cap of the mic, which is fine. But then when it hits the back wall behind me and reflects again, that's when I have problems. And so, so the fiberglass panels help to just nuke all that reflection. Yeah, I think eventually I'd like to get to the point where I have kind of a video setup where I can sit in front of the camera and talk and, and things like that. But yeah, what you're talking about, I have some sound dampening foam. I just haven't put it up anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the most part, I'm, yeah, I'm speaking at my monitors, but I'm in a large enough room. It's carpeted that, yeah, I don't get a lot of echo bouncing off of stuff. You know, I, I think, uh, the other thing is, is I'm practically, uh, sitting in a cubicle. If you could see my desk, it is a cubicle. <laughs> my wife found it, uh, online somewhere and, and so, yeah, so that's what I've got. And so it dampens a lot of the sound. It just absorbs it. So it was a different story when I started podcasting from my kitchen. Yeah, that was. <laughs> it's like the worst room in the house to, to do it. Maybe a bathroom would be worse. Yeah. So I'm finally trying to upgrade my podcasting setup after starting. I think the first probably 30 episodes that, that I was on this show, maybe not quite that much, but I just recorded with my Apple white earbuds. I mic. noticed. Yeah, and I know it sounded <laughs> bad, but I had, I had never done any podcasting before, so I at least bought a real mic, but I am now working to get a boom and a shock mount and a pop filter and all that so that uh, yep. there isn't so much keyboard tapping noise. So now that we're at our 100th show, I'm going to take it seriously. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this might be a thing. No, definitely the earbuds are a step above just the microphone on your MacBook where you hear all the Skype right. interactions and, and the clicking and the typing. You know, Derek Bailey went through like a, uh, he has like a podcast about podcasting. I don't remember what it's called, but, um, I don't know if he does it anymore. Is it Signals well, and Leafs? Yeah, that one. He had an episode on there about like getting good audio quality. And like you said, like the earbuds are a step above because you're basically bringing the mic closer to you, which means you can, like the gain on the mic can be lower to capture your audio. And so the, the gain on the laptop mics is so high. And it's omnidirectional, so it's going to pick up everything in the whole room equally. And so, like, that's one step up. But one of the things he was talking about is, like, even with a good mic, if you're in a crappy room, it's going to sound terrible. And so then he, like, moved into his bathroom to show how bad that would be. And then he moved into his closet, which was, like, the best possible room. Like, all this clothes hanging up, you know, there's nowhere for the audio to bounce off of. So I've been trying to resist the desire to like change up my microphone to see if I like it better. Cause this was like, I bought uh, like a hundred dollar mic and then I wanted to sort of level up from there. And there's not a whole lot from 100 to say 300. I don't think there's really any microphones in that category. <laughs> and then I think this Heil was like 350 or something. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's some even higher than that. And when you get into that range, you have to be like a nut to really appreciate it. But if you're familiar with the RE, RE20, I want to say, Electrovoice RE20, those are about $500 and you see them everywhere. Like if you watch ESPN or CNN or anybody like who's got a microphone in front of them, they're all over the place. Pretty much every radio station. Yeah. So I, RE20 is a very common, you know, for yeah. trumpet, stuff like that. Yeah. I think microphones, one big link, the chain here, A to D is one big one in your room, as you said. So I mean, you get a reasonable mic in a bad room, it's not going to be worth it, but mm-hmm. those are the big ones that cause problems. And here I am just talking into a USB mic, just a little bit offset from my Thunderbolt monitor, so I'm not getting that many direct reflections, but mm-hmm. pretty much in a small box for my room. A couple of the guys on the Adventures in Angular podcast, they actually bought Whisper Rooms, which are basically recording booths. And that pretty much eliminates a lot of the echo because they're lined with the right. the soundproofing and everything else. And those are great for voiceovers and like and like podcasts where you don't necessarily have to have your computer in front of you. But for screencasting, like I'm usually doing it live in talking and typing at the same time, and so I have to be able to see what I'm doing. Yeah, they they both do courses for Pluralsight, so they have a desk in there with their computers in front of them, but. But yeah, it's it's just kind of an interesting thing. For me, it would be nice because then if my kids are fighting in the next room, then, you know, I can just not hear it. But anyway, I do have one question for you guys, and that is, so this show doesn't have like an embarrassingly low number of listeners, but compared to my other shows, it is significantly lower. And I'm wondering if there is a better way to reach people to get the word out about the podcast. So we get a few thousand downloads every month. You know, Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber are up around 100,000 downloads a month. Oh, wow. Yeah, it seems like a... <laughs> and, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't know if it's the audience. I don't know if it's something else. And I don't know if that number is really just terrific for this audience or this area that we're in. It's a good question. I mean, I would probably start by just com- trying to compare with other podcasts that are popular, like... At the time this one started, there were only a few, like maybe one or two others. Like NS Brief was one. So maybe have like a baseline to compare, compare uh-huh. with, because I don't know how many listeners he had. But yeah, I mean, I'm probably the worst person to ask about this. I like I always joke about how bad at marketing I am. You could sponsor some user groups, sponsor some uh, development conferences like iDev360, the small ones, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think something like a some sort of presence at conferences would be good. I wonder though, just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think about how I, I find out about podcasts that I listen to and I, it's mostly just recommendations. I think it's mostly that I've seen people tweet about them. Right. Huh. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, I mean, most of the time I've heard it's just been from blog posts or tweets, word of mouth, talking to people at conferences. Um, so no real, like, what I would consider hardcore marketing in that regard. Yeah, and I don't know if real hardcore marketing would actually work in that case. I think I think mostly it is just being out there in front of the community. And we'll say, too, I've also heard a, a few people speak very vocally, and I, don't, I know maybe it's just a, a few very vocal people at conferences talk about sort of podcast fatigue and just not having the time to listen to podcasts because they always complain that most of them are, are too long or they're not really getting at what they want to listen to, so... I don't know what type of feedback we get um, if we're addressing those types of concerns at all. I mean, I'm always happy to talk about the topics that we're talking about, but I'm not sure what the audience is saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely have podcast fatigue. Like I, I thought I was subscribed to too many before I stopped commuting. And now that I don't commute anymore, it's exhausting how many podcasts I just don't have time to listen to. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I have a whole bunch of podcasts that I have listened to over time, but you know, now I've gotten into audiobooks and things like that. And so, you know, I've got, uh, I think I have like three or 400 podcasts in my podcast app. Let's see, 514 episodes that are waiting for me to listen to them, you know, just cause oh, I've, geez. you know, cause I've, I've just not gotten around to listening to them and I've been busy. And so, you know, so I kind of pick and choose the ones that I want to see and hear, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not picking up any new content unless it's so compelling that I can drop something else. Time to declare bankruptcy, I think, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, yeah, like all the tech, all the tech news ones. Like they're talking about, like, what do you think the Apple Watch is going to be, and blah blah blah, and it should have this or the new MacBook, and all these rumor things. And you're like, it's kind of nice to be able to just say delete because that would be painful to listen to people speculate about stuff that's already announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it pays off. And it, honestly, when we get closer and closer to, to WWDC, just like an enormous amount of human energy is spent trying to speculate on what Apple's going to do. And like, in general, I can tolerate a little bit of that just like, cause you, people want to know, right? I, I want to know what's going to be covered also, but then it's funny how like worthless that information is like the day after the conference or yeah. the day after the event. Yeah. So I actually appreciate that on, on iFreaks, I don't think we really do a lot of that. We tend to talk about concrete things and, you know, we'll talk about the new stuff after it's been announced. Yeah. I think yeah. the worst that we do is we'll talk about some technology that, that just came out. And then, you know, at the, you know, we may spend five minutes speculating about where it may go. Sure. That's not obsolete quite as quickly as recording yeah. a podcast the day before the keynote. And then two days later, it's <laughs> yeah. pointless. Yeah. Anyway, well, anything else that we should uh, cover, or should we get to the picks? Well, I, I just want to cover saying thank you to all of you guys, because I really enjoy doing this podcast every week, and I've enjoyed getting to know the people on the show and also our guests, and the feedback that I have received from listeners has always been something that makes me happy. So I'm glad I've been able to do it for 100 episodes, and hopefully, or well, not 100 episodes for me, but up to our 100th episode, and hopefully I can do 100 more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. We should do the 200 episode celebration next week. You guys ready? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. My schedule's not quite that open. Yeah, we just did episode 200 for Ruby Rogues. Been doing this for a long time. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the picks. Ben, why don't you start us with picks? I just got back from Shanghai, so I think I will pick Shanghai. That city is amazing. I spent two weeks there and I feel like now I have just begun to sort of experience China and now I want to go back. So I will pick that. Also as part of this, it was a business trip. So I had to track the receipts and stuff that I was uh, spending money on. And so I was using the app ScanBot, which I've used like three or four different apps. This one's my favorite. Basically, as soon as you open it, it launches straight into the camera uh, and you don't actually have to like push any buttons. It just says like shows you a rectangle around what it can find as a receipt. And it might say like move closer, okay, hold still, and then it'll just take the picture automatically. And you can configure sources of where you want the PDFs to go. Oh, actually, before that, it has like filters, so you can like do high contrast filter and that sort of thing. And so I have this uh, sending to Evernote and to iCloud, and uh, so it just drops it uh, straight in there. And then when I'm filing my expense report, I can just 
like I use FreshBooks for that, so I can just like click attach receipt, and it's already on my computer, which is super nice. Let's see what else. I guess we we mentioned my podcast. I don't know if we talked about the URL. Uh, that's at Vibrato FM. And since uh, we also talked about guitar stuff, right before I left for China, I, I received a uh, Electroharmonic Soul Food pedal. I got about maybe 30 minutes to play with it before I had to leave. And this is a clone of the Klon Centaur, which is like a highly sought-after pedal. That when the guy releases some for order, they sell out the same day. And then people sell them for twice as much on eBay. And uh, there's a lot of hype around this pedal, and there's a lot of clones also. This clone happens to be very, very good, and also about 60 bucks, which is uh, awesome. That's about a tenth the cost if you get it on eBay. So yeah, check out the Soul Food pedal by Electro Harmonics. It's an overdrive pedal. And that's all I have. Very nice. Rod, do you have some picks for us? Sure. First of all, um, I'd like to say that I enjoyed my time on the podcast as well. And I'm also available for hire. If you need a contract, Phil, hit me up on uh, Twitter at, at Rod Schmidt. And my first pick, I guess, will be uh, I'm currently building a robot. So I bought a, a GoPi Go, which is from Dexter Industries, which uh, lets you use a Raspberry Pi and uh, a board that controls the motor. And you connect the Raspberry Pi to this board, and it comes with a kit with the motors and the wheels and everything. And you put those together, and uh, you can write Python programs or any language you want, really, to control the robot. And you can also get a, an ultrasonic sensor and a camera and a servo and various things to do with that. So I'm having fun with that. And then I'll, I guess I'll pick the James Bond trailer that just came out. I'm a big Bond fan, and the trailer for the next Bond movie, Spectre, looks really good. Really set a nice, a nice mood for the movie. So those are my picks. Awesome. James, what are your picks? Okay, I've got one pick, and it's a, a video series, an instructional music series by Dave King, the drummer. And you might be saying, I didn't know you played drums, and I don't play drums. But it's not really a typical instructional series. It's part satire if you like Christopher Guest movies like A Mighty Wind or Spinal Tap. It's part performance arts. Dave King's kind of nuts, but he's really one of the better drummers that's come out in you know past couple decades, especially in the jazz world, but very entertaining. I've laughed out loud on every episode. We probably don't need to see everyone, but definitely check out the first four. But check out Rational Funk by Dave King. Cool. Alondo, what are your picks? I have one pick this week. It is a gift that I received from some friends of mine after coming down for, for uh, to stay at my house. And it's a running joke. Uh, I needed better knives for cooking, for prepping food. And so I got the, I was gifted this Shun Sword two-piece knife set which includes a, a paring knife, a three and a half inch paring knife and a six inch chef's knife, and then the sharpener. And it is amazing. I love this thing. I'm prepping things for meals I'm not even cooking just so I can use it to you know, pair veg- vegetables and, and cut things. But it's pretty awesome. I find that a little frightening that you enjoy cutting things so much. But it just makes slicing and dicing so easy. <laughs> All right, Andrew. A good knife is a, li- is a lifesaver. Yep. Andrew, what are your picks? Got three picks today. My first pick is an app that I that kind of saved me this morning called Compare Folders, and it's a free app on the Mac App Store. It actually has a five dollar in app purchase to add a, a checksum compare feature. But all, all it does is you drag two folders into it, and it tells you if their contents are equal. And the fact that it can compare uh, files by checksum just 
so happened to mean that it was really useful for me this morning. And so part of the reason I'm also picking it is that it turns out that the whole thing is open source, even though it's a Mac App Store app, and those are sort of rare. So that's kind of fun to be able to, you know, to have a, a Mac app that's on the App Store, but is also open source. My second pick is another Mac app called 104 Fox. And I, um, I don't know really why, but I pulled my old PowerBook G4 out the other day and uh, needed a browser that actually could load modern sites. The version of Safari that's on it is pretty bad now, and Chrome, of course, won't run on it, but there's this 10.4 Fox that's, uh, I think, just one guy, pretty much, that has, is maintaining a fork of Firefox for PowerPC Macs and old versions of OS X, and, and, but it's like the, the modern, current version of Firefox, so it's pretty cool, but I also like the website because he's kind of He's pretty fun and funny and lighthearted with his website, sort of parodying Apple's website. And then my last pick is the new Nintendo 3DS. So this came out, I'm not sure, I think it came out in the U.S. a couple months ago, but I bought one this week and have been playing it, and it's the first 3DS I've had, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. I think Nintendo's done a pretty good job with it. So those are my picks. Nice. Um, I've got one pick. I just finished the book Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson. Really enjoyed that. And yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. So it's a fun book, futuristic. People get superpowers and then abuse them. So yeah, so it's that kind of an adventure. It's it's awesome. So yeah, so that's my pick. And I guess that's all we've got. So we'll go ahead and wrap up and we'll catch everybody next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at ifreakshow.com slash form. 